What's up, folks? Welcome to another edition of Matt Sports House. I'm your host, Matthew Anderson, alongside my partner, Sterling. Sterling, say what's up to the people. Yo, what's up? What's up? A lot of college football, y'all. We're not even talking about the NFL today. This is the specific, this is specifically a college football episode. But without further ado, welcome to my sports house. All right, Sterling. Hey, great week. Great week of college football. We're going to go ahead and start off at the Big Ten Championship game. I got a lot to say about this. Y'all know my Ohio State Buckeyes got the win. But, Sterling, go ahead and start off. What do you think of the game? Ohio State versus Northwestern. I mean, I'm glad it was competitive. Um, But at the same time, I'm hurt that it was competitive in the way that it was. Uh, Ohio State – we all know made the college football playoff, but they have not looked impressive all year long. And this was a, a moment for them to look like they belong truly in the public eye. I feel like a lot of people had questions going into the game if they even should have been in the playoff consideration, considering they only played six games max. Um, and this didn't help, you know, take off a little bit of that, that frustration from fans about them being in. Um, but I mean, Northwestern, uh, they gave them a run. Uh, they was able to be physical in the first half, um, got turnovers, but they turned the ball over themselves. And ultimately, Ohio State with Trey Sermon just, you know, going ballistic um, on the ground prevailed. But it wasn't it wasn't the game I think Ohio State needed um, in the public view. I mean, they still got them in to the committee, but in the public view to to validate them being in the playoff, it wasn't the game they needed to have. Okay, y'all, so let me break this down a little bit to provide some context. Ohio State did, in fact, get the Buckeyes, got the win with the final score of 22-10. to 10. When I first heard that early on in the week, they had said that a lot of the Ohio State players might not be playing, but they wouldn't release the list until Saturday morning. When I heard Chris Olave wasn't playing, I was like, oh, boy, because that's like Justin Fields' security blanket to an extent. To an extent. And so at the beginning of the game, we saw a lot of true freshman Julian Fleming and I think he had like four or five catches maybe within the first two drives. So I just felt like there was going to be a lot of him. Justin didn't necessarily have his best day. as I think this might have been his worst day as a Buckeye. He went 12 for 27 for 114 yards through the air. At some point, I think he did sprain his finger. And I saw him on the sidelines just trying to get the ball, like kind of throw it around. And see, this is one thing I don't think a lot of people realize. It's going to be a mid. Like usually they have what December 3rd is usually the championship game. They have all the way up to like January 1st because last year he was hurt, which is why I was hoping that we were going to blow these guys out and get them out the game. But now he, I think he has like 10 days because the, and we're going to talk more about the playoff games. Uh, but anyway, they're on New Year's Day. So he's got to get that rehab. It's going to be like, hey, you remember when Tua was sitting in that? I think during the Heisman Trophy, Tua was on that boot like a couple of years back. <laughs> uh he was like sleeping in one of those uh i forgot what are those machines called i can't remember man yeah but they're anyway but i remember he had to have surgery for that ankle um for like two weeks before the the semifinal game against i think oklahoma that week that year i want to say um yeah, and he was like almost sleeping in one of those airtight machines. Well, doggone Justin better find himself in one too. Ohio State got the money. We got to make it happen. Now, I also want to provide some context that because most people think, oh, Trey Sermon's been the guy all year. I talked about him early on uh, whenever the season before the season got started, but Trey Sermon just transferred from Oklahoma. Master Teague has been the starter. Uh, and so in this win, Trey Sermon, obviously big day. I think he had – yeah, uh, coming into this game, he had like 350 yards rushing all year. In this game, he had 331 yards rushing on 29 carries, two touchdowns, broke Ezekiel Elliott, Big Ten championship record for rushing yards, and Eddie George single game yardage record, which was like 310 yards, which is crazy. And actually, I don't think many people realize Master Teague actually kind of looks more like Eddie George. <laughs> like if you talk about like the bulk and stuff like that like Trey Sermon is more of our elusive guy but Master Teague is the guy that looks like he don't have any like doesn't have a neck really and he's yeah. just running the ball yeah, but uh our unsung hero in this game was Hilliard 
he's a six-year linebacker. Justin, I'm just saying Justin Hilliard. He's a six-year linebacker. The only reason he was even starting this game was because the starter, Browning, had the COVID situation going on. Anyway, Hilliard's flying all over the field, had a fumble recovery, two tackles for losses, and an interception. And you saw that man lined up out there almost looking like a corner? <laughs> hey, he was. He had to go all over the place uh, yes, uh, yesterday or Saturday. Yeah, um, yeah he, he was flying everywhere. So he had been waiting his whole entire, literally six years for this moment for the youngins that are listening, be ready when your number is called, but he was ready to play. So big day for our, he'll be in Ohio state history for that one with helping us get that win. I am very concerned. We're going to talk about this more in a little bit, but if Peyton Ramsey can carve up our secondary like that, Peyton Ramsey can do that from Northwestern. I am very, very fearful for what Trevor Lawrence might be able to do. Our defense got to get this thing together. We have got to get this thing together. We got to get a pass rush going. Now, we did have some of our guys that were out because of COVID. We got to get our pass rush going. Our defensive backs will be ready to play. I do not think cover three is going to work against Clemson. Uh, <laughs> and if they're in that, Trevor and Amari might carve us up. But since we're speaking of Amari Rogers, we're going to go ahead and move to ACC championship game. But Clemson beat Notre Dame in Charlotte, final score of 34-10. What you think of the game? Uh, it went exactly the way as I expected. <laughs> I've been saying for about like two or three weeks that the next time Clemson saw Notre Dame is going to, you know, beat the life out of them. Um, Clemson, Notre Dame got off to a fast start, but then after the missed field goal, they kind of seemed to lose momentum. And, and Clemson hits that big, I think, 75 yard pass to or 65 yard pass to Rodgers that really started to get their offense humming. Um, and throughout the game, they kind of just there was a very balanced attack going with uh, Lawrence with his legs, uh, ETN, and getting the ball in the perimeter to their guys and jump ball situations. Um, and then defensively, Clemson's got pressure on both time after time after time. And even if the pressure wasn't initiated, you know, from the jump of the snap, it was really just a lot of coverage pressures coming because people in the back end from Notre Dame weren't creating separation for Book to throw the ball. And when he's holding it that long, it was only a matter of time before Clemson's uh, rush got there. So, they played a very sound game um, in the back end, particularly because Notre Dame could very rarely get big plays. And, uh, you know, Clemson, you know, they they wanted to say to remember the whole storming of the field, like their fans don't storm the field after every single game. They play. <laughs> uh, but, you know, you know, you got to use that fake, you know, energy <laughs> to, to have motivation. So I get it. Um but Clemson, I mean, that was a better team overall anyway. It, even when they played Notre Dame in South Bend, it took Notre Dame two overtimes to beat a Clemson team missing. I don't know how many people on the roster. So I figured going into this game, neutral site, basically a home game for Clemson, um, being that it's right there in Charlotte, that was going to kill them, and they did. So Yeah, it was nice to see K.J. Henry get that sack. I think he was like one of the top players coming out of North Carolina a couple years back. Sometimes guys go to these programs and they kind of get lost in the sauce. Well, he's been able to contribute. I think he registered his first year. But uh, for some stats on this game, Trevor Lawrence went 25-36, 322 yards, two touchdowns. Travis Etienne had a game as because of the first game that he played Notre Dame. He kind of got shut down there. He had 10 carries, 124 yards and a touchdown. And old Amari Rodgers had eight receptions, 121 yards and one touchdown. I always say if the quarterback throws to 300, the running back rushes for 100, and you have a receiver to go for 100, you're going to win most of those ball games. So just like when Dabo Sweeney always says, if you, have, if you end every drive with a kick, you got a chance. If that means <laughs> if you ended every drive with a field goal, uh, kicking off obviously after a touchdown – or a punt, you got a ball game. That means you don't have too many turnovers. Kind of what I expected from Clemson. Didn't know that Notre Dame wasn't even going to really hang with them. Uh, <laughs> it didn't matter because it really didn't matter because I was thinking if they got blown out, there was going to be no shot. We'll talk about that in a second. Hey, but I do. I did find a clip. I heard this back in 2009. It's about Davos Sweeney talking about what the ACC stands for. So here's the clip. You got a chance to change that ACC back to what it used to be, and that means another Clemson championship. All right, so there you have it. So now in the Sugar Bowl, two will play three. Uh, so Ohio State will play Clemson. Ryan Day, y'all found this clip in the locker room. One of the Ohio State players pulling Antonio Brown has this thing on Instagram Live, and y'all know, well, know we're going to have to bring that to you. So here's a clip of what Ryan Day thinks about what what the chance of the Ohio State winning this game is? But I'm just telling you right now, 
You give us one game against Clemson, against Bama, or against Notre Dame, we're going to fucking beat their ass. Yeah. Just give us that one chance. Yeah. And we don't have to beat them 10 times. We don't have to beat them 20 times. we got to beat them how many times? That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. All right, so Sterling, Ohio State has been waiting all year to get back to this game. This is kind of similar to me to the Deshaun Watson after losing to Alabama in 2015. Whatever it takes to get back to that game against Alabama. Uh, what do you think about the game, Sugar Bowl, Clemson versus Ohio State in Louisiana? What do you think is going to happen? I think Clemson – I really want to pick Clemson to win the game because I do believe overall, just all around, Clemson is the better football team this year. Um, they're certainly better this year than Ohio State was. Uh, like Clemson this year is better than what Ohio State came from last year in terms of Ohio State lost a lot of guys last year, um, you know, key players on their defense uh, that, have, as we've seen, have been a struggle for them this year. And Clemson seems to have all their guys kind of in their third year where they're getting ready to leave into the draft this year coming up. So Clemson is by far the better team, I feel like. Um, but Ohio State has not played their best game, um, not one time this, single, this whole year that they played in this college football season. So there's a possibility that in the playoff game um, with a, a great coach in Ryan Day, a great player in Justin Fields, who I think is hearing the noise of a lot of people doubting him, um, and I think he's that great of a player to where this is one of those games where no matter how lopsided it seems the matches may be in terms of team and, and all that stuff, um, Ohio State's going to come ready to play. They're going to remember that game from last year. And I think Fields I think Fields will honestly have his best game he's had this whole year and, and you know, kind of shut all the critics up um, going into this draft. But I do think Clemson will end up winning the game. Okay, I'm gonna go the opposite way. You know, I'm a fan, so I couldn't go. <laughs> I couldn't go with Clemson. I need Ohio State uh, to get this game. I'll tell you, the key is gonna be. I think we're gonna need to run the ball a lot more. I think that'd be great. Just said that we've seen that Trey Sermon can do that. I think we run the ball more. We got a shot. I think a big matchup is gonna be Chris Olave, who will prayfully you hear the Big Ten's moving the rules again for Ohio yeah, State. They moved it from 21 to 17 in terms of the days that it takes for them to come back to play a game. Ironically. I know the Big Ten is – the other teams in the Big Ten have to be furious. The the thing keeps getting moved for Ohio State. I'm not going to complain, though. I'm not going to complain. But I think Darion Kendrick, DK versus Chris Olave, that will be the matchup. Who do you think has the upper hand in that matchup? I'm going to go with uh, – I'm going to go with Olave because, yes, he was throwing him the football. And with the rules to end today's game, um, you know, Kendrick, I feel like he's one of those players that if he gets a penalty early in the game – uh, it's, it seems to bother him throughout the rest of the game. And if Olave can get one off on him early and Fields is locked in, um, you know, just being on pace. I, I, I really believe Ohio State versus Northwestern was very uh, – what's, what's the word? Very non – what's the word for non-together? Just they weren't, they weren't playing together, it felt like. You could just feel the chemistry was off. The chemistry yeah, there was you off. There you go. And us knowing that Olave is, is Fields' guy uh, – Usually when you and your guys against one cornerback, you win that matchup most of the time just because of you know the timing, you know when you're going to break off, when uh, the cues for certain actions in the play. So I, I'll give that to Olave. And it really gives Garrett Wilson the number five, pretty sure number, a chance to be kind of like that scat guy that he is. It seems like this one, he had to be strictly a traditional receiver. Usually we just kind of find him open a lot of different places. And with the emergence of Sermon, I don't know how we're going to do this Master Teague and Trey Sermon situation because Sermon plays so well. But I feel like with Olave, okay, we got the foundation uh, out the outside at receiver and we got everybody else and kind of keep it moving. So and now on the defensive side of the ball for Ohio State. Our linebackers are pretty good. I think we have one of the best linebacker cores in the country. But my God, that secondary is a liability. And if we let Cornell Powell and Amari Rogers run this thing all day, I mean, just catch pass out the yin yang, Trevor Lawrence should distribute it to them, it will be a problem. So we're going to need this pass rush. We, we are going to have to, our front four is going to have to get after the quarterback, maybe drop some blitzes. And I know Brent Venables is going to bring the house. I know he's going to bring the house. And especially if he feels like potentially that our quarterback is kind of maybe hearing the, hearing the audience and whatnot, I think he's definitely going to bring the, uh, definitely bring the blitz and hopefully Justin Fields can respond. Who would you give that? Who would you give the upper hand to in that one? Ohio state offensive coordinator and Justin Fields or Brent Venables in that defense? I can't, I'm never picking against Brent Venables. <laughs> never picking against them. 
Well, well, in this situation, I can't pick against them. You know, certain situations like last year with, with LSU and Burrow, I was, I was like, I'm going to have to roll with that offense. But this year, um, Venables is just – he's so creative in, in, his, in his pressure packages. Um, his linebackers are very sound in what they do. Jones Jr., um, Skowski, those guys, they know exactly what, what's required of them in that, in that defense. And, man, Venables is like a mad scientist. You, you just see him on the sidelines, just, you know, just getting ready to go crazy when he knows he, he got you where you want him. So I'm going to go with Venables. And also because of the lack of weapons that, of, that Ohio State has. Like, you know, they do have – like last year, Ohio State had their one senior guy that was giving Clemson a lot of fits. But that's, you know, he was the only dude that could really get open for him. Everybody else was, it was tough for Fields to get, you know, anybody else really the football. Um, and, you know, I think this year they kind of have less <laughs> than that. So I think Ohio State, if they have a shot, if they want to have a shot, they want to really lean heavy on that run game that got them um, out of the Northwestern game and try to apply it to Clemson in the same way. So I'm glad you mentioned Mike Jones Jr. He kind of plays that nickelbacker kind of position. I think that him and uh, Garrett, Garrett Wilson will be a really good matchup to see how that turns out. But, uh, we're going to see what happens. Y'all know I got my Buckeyes. We got to keep this thing rolling. But we are going to move to the SEC championship game, which was played in Atlanta, Alabama, Florida. Alabama got the win, 52-46. Sterling, what's your thoughts? Uh, I mean, Bama did what it was going to do. I think the Heisman Trophy winner, um, or should be Heisman Trophy winner, Devontae Smith, uh, played you know his A game like he's done all, all through the year. Um, Florida, Florida has a very dynamic offense, as we've all known. Um, but it's tough to really judge the game off of the score because personally I felt from watching the game that Alabama was really dominating the football game. It just came to the fact that, you know, Florida, every, every score they had, it, it took a lot for them to score those points. And, everything. Yeah. And with Bama scoring so fast on offense, you know, that's kind of the, the give and take. It's like with the Kansas city chiefs and their defense, it's like, the Chiefs score so fast that at some point the defense is going to give up points, you know. <laughs> so, so with Bama, it's like the same thing. Najee Harris is going ballistic in the first half. And even in the fourth quarter, you know, since Bama feels like, okay, we got to score, they score in, you know, four, five, six, seven plays, and defense is right back on the field, have to go against that offense again. So it's like the reverse. Like usually when you play a team like Florida, you want to take the, the air out of the ball. And kind of and kind of hold that go, those guys off the field, but when you got an offense like Bama, you just want to go ahead and keep scoring because you know you can. So, um, I think Bama, you know, I never felt like it was going to lose the game ever, <laughs> and they just performed phenomenally with Najee Smith. Um, Mechie had a huge hit <laughs> off of a pick. that hit was that. amazing. <laughs> I was like, oh my goodness! So <laughs> it kind of reminded you of that old school SEC football, you know. Yeah. Hey, I don't know. Does that count as a does that count as targeting? Since you know everything, since everything's about a defenseless player and, and the dude's running back with the football, he just gets clobbered off the side. <laughs> like, is that a penalty, or are we gonna just forget about that because it's the offense hitting the defensive guy? I, I don't know, dude, you know. I think the shock factor was so large, it's like forget it. But I, you know, I actually this brings up an interesting discussion. I I hate how soft the game has gotten. It's like <laughs> the fact that we even have to sit there and think like. Wait, and that technically targeting is like no, no, no. This is, your, this is your grandfather's football. This is what we love and enjoy about the game. I get all the health stuff. If y'all need to go watch the movie Concussion with Will Smith on it, they explain it all. They break it all down to you, but we love to see it. But hey, your points led perfectly into some of the notes I had on this game. Mac Jones, thirty-three for forty-three, four hundred eighteen yards, five touchdowns. If you look at the stats of this game, it's like how did they even have the ball like? How much offense was really in this game? Because Mac Jones threw the ball 43 times. Najee Harris had 31 carries for 178 yards and two touchdowns. Devontae Smith, 15 receptions, 184 yards, two touchdowns. You love to see the big-time players making the big-time plays in the big in the big games. Now we're going to flip it over here to Kyle Trask and the Gators. He went 26 for 40 for 408 yards, three touchdowns, just keeping the Gators alive too. On that last drive, they got that sack, and you could just – it was just all the energy he had left out of him. Uh, Kyle Pitt, seven receptions, 129 yards and a touchdown. He has opted out for the bowl game, so he will not be participating. Kadarius Toney, eight receptions, 153 yards and the touchdowns. This all, all this offense felt like a Big 12 championship game, I'm not going to lie to you. I <laughs> thought it was so interesting at the end of the broadcast where Florida went for two. Uh, the head coach of Florida, Dan Mullen, apparently was like, look, we're not going in overtime. Our guys are exhausted. We're going to go for two. And we're going to end this game off like this. We're going to keep pushing. 
Obviously, Florida, when they got the ball back, they were not successful and able to drive that ball. I don't thought it was going to be like almost impossible to drive that ball 95 yards in the Alabama defense. But, uh, yep, so in the end, be all Alabama did get the win. Yeah, so, I mean, what's up? What were you saying? I was like, yeah, I mean, at that point, Bama had finally had time to catch their breath because it, it felt like since Florida began scoring and Bama went scores in that third quarter, that now every every time Bama touched the ball, they decided, yeah, we're going to just keep scoring. So Bama's defense just kind of had to, like, play and, and kind of drag – they almost had to kind of ball control the clock and, and keep the time going as they played defense just by keeping Florida out because they had some drives where they, they got it to third and, and long or, or second and long, and they just couldn't finish the drive. Even the time um, Florida did score in the fourth quarter, or I, I think it was in the third quarter, actually, where Bama forces a fumble um, – I think this happens twice, actually. Bama forces a fumble um, in, in Florida territory, and the dude just just didn't recover the ball. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, it's moments like that. We're like, man, you know, Bama could have finished it to close out a drive there, and Florida end up, you know, scoring. But yeah, they at the end of the game, I was like, there's no way they're gonna score. Bama know they just gotta get off the field one more time. They've had time to catch their breath um, because that was the drive that Bama decided to actually just ball control and waste clock. So they knew their job. And, yeah, I figured it was going to win the game. Let me ask you this. Kyle Pitts, receiver or tight end in the league? Um, He's what we call a mismatch nightmare. It don't matter what he is. <laughs> he, he, That dude, you can – I mean, I don't want to just go straight to compare him to people, but when we look at a guy that it was the same way last year that's in the league and, and it's had a good season, just look at Chase uh, Claypool from Pittsburgh. The same type of model – coming out of Notre Dame last year, people wanted to call him a tight end or receiver. Pittsburgh just said he's a ball player. We want to let him go out there and do his thing and, and, and get him in one-on-one situations and, and let him ball. So uh, he could be the same the same type of talent for another team um, just in terms of you just let him go out there and play. And I so, would say and a contributor right away probably. Yeah, yeah he was, he'll contribute immediately for any for any football team that needs a tight end or, hey. or just need a weapon on the outside, period. So. And so with that win, Alabama has earned the number one spot in the playoff. They will play number four, Notre Dame, in the Rose Bowl. The Rose Bowl has been moved to Dallas. So it's like the Cotton Bowl, number one, the Cotton Bowl. It, neither here nor there. Okay, I'm going to ask you this. Notre Dame or uh, A&M, who do you think should take that spot? This is tough. Um, because I don't know what the criteria is. Because this committee has been so inept in terms of determining what they want people to know is the sole reason for decisions being made that we don't know. Like if, if, if we're looking at the college football playoff and the four spot, and you're wanting to say that conference championships matter so much, then technically Oklahoma should have been the four seed uh, determining on how just, just flat out off of how they've been playing at the end of the year. Um, the level those playing at, they seem like they could play with anybody in the nation, yada, yada, yada. But if we're not going to go with Oklahoma because now all of a sudden conference championships don't matter, and we're going off of what was their best one loss? So we had the Notre Dame team that lost to Clemson in a championship game, which had higher stakes in a blowout, and then an A&M team that lost to Bama in the second week of the season, um, coming off of, a you know, basically at the beginning of this whole pandemic, COVID year stuff. So you want to determine who had the – better loss, I'd say, is A&M. And then the third point is they said, uh, you know, well, we felt Notre Dame had better quality wins. And they beat Miami and North Carolina. North Carolina lost to Florida State. Miami got blown out by any team that was supposed to be actually good. Um, They were always overranked. So (laughs) better wins, whatever you want to call it, I mean – you could go all day with who you felt like should have been in there. Personally, I think with the way that Notre Dame lost um, in a championship game, I think A&M should have been the fourth, probably should have been the fourth team there. But, of course, the only problem would occur is who, you know, you would get a rerun of Bama versus A&M, which I guess for business would have been horrible for the committee. So they wanted to say it's just a business thing. They could just come out and say that. But uh, at the end of the day, I mean – it's kind of ridiculous and useless in the way because there's, there's, we all know that Notre Dame's going to get going to lose to Bama anyway. <laughs> but I think you know, I think at least, at least lay down a legit formula, criteria, foundation, whatever you want to call it, that's consistent. 
in terms of what matters in each year, because we can't say conference championships matter. And then, the, you know, the team that had the best record that beat the team with the highest seed, because Iowa State was ranked seventh in the nation. And, um, you know, Oklahoma won that game. And now that oh, well, Oklahoma lost two games earlier to whatever. And then Notre Dame loses any big game and badly, like really badly. <laughs> and now you say, well, their earlier wins mattered. Like there's no there's no real way to determine. So just expand the thing to, to 16 or something and call it a day. But personally, I feel like AM should have got in. Yeah, so that's what I think. AM was the better team than Notre Dame. Like I could see AM beating Notre Dame more than Notre Dame beating AM in the game. So yeah, I thought it would have been AM too. I was actually very disappointed when I saw Notre Dame, but it just something told me because I was watching the kickoff. Well, you know, whenever they decided who was going to be in the playoff, when they unveiled, I guess you could say, and it took so long. I was like, bro, this thing, I need three minutes. It's kind of like the Heisman Trophy ceremony. <laughs> you don't tell me at the back of the hour. I just want to know real quickly at the front, but I know they do it for ratings purposes and stuff like that. I knew. Whenever they hired Jimbo Fisher at AM, I knew he was going to be able to get the job done. I saw him completely build up Florida State after the Bobby Bowden tenure. So, but now I guess my question will be because Kellen Mond is a senior. Will his backup be able to, well, the replacement for Kellen Mond next should be able to take the baton and keep that program trending upwards? But they're just in such a, a tough division. I don't know if they'll ever make it. I think also that's something to consider too. It's like Jimbo's like, well, this is a team. I got a senior quarterback. Who's to say the dominoes fall this way any, at any other time? So, We'll see what happens with Kellen Mond and his replacement. I know they're disappointed. We'll talk about them. They'll be playing in uh, one of the New Year's Six Bowl games. Like I said before, this game will be in Dallas. Uh, what were you going to say? Were you going to say something? Oh, we're going to get into New Year's Six Bowl games later. Yeah, we're going to get into those in a second. I got a lot to say. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so, okay, so I will ask you, but like I said, that game will be in Dallas. What is it, Dougie? Rose Bowl will be in Dallas. I don't know. At first, they were saying no fans, but I feel like with that move, they might allow fans because they them Cowboys in, in Texas, they just don't care about no kind of. So if they move from California to get to get parents to at least see that. Like these guys have been working their tails off since August, getting tested every single week, three times a week at minimum, and you telling me that they their parents can't come see them play in a semifinal game for a title. Yeah. yeah, that game to Texas. <laughs> Move it, please. Move it to Texas where they have the loose loss. Okay, Heisman Trophy. I need a quick pick from you. Heisman Trophy race. You got Trevor Lawrence, you got Mac Jones, you got Najee Harris, and you got Devontae Smith. Who are you going with? I, I've been more open to Trevor after – I don't know what the, the – I've been drinking the Kool-Aid. I'm like, okay, I can see Trevor. Who you got? Devontae Smith. Easy. Devontae Smith, that's your guy. Easy. I, I keep hearing that the, that the Heisman Trophy is a quarterback award. I keep winning it. So it's something wants to tell me it's going to be Mac Jones. But personally, I'd rather Trevor Lawrence over Mac Jones. This will be the best year for the Heisman Trophy vote process committee to prove that they're actually picking the best player in the nation. Because there's not, there hasn't been a better player than Devontae Smith this whole year. There's not been one player, even Najee Harrison technically finished second in terms of consistency, dominance in football games. Like Devontae Smith has been getting double teamed every single game. Like, Jalen Waddle only got hurt the third game of the season or something like that. Like, he's been getting double team and triple team the whole season, and he still puts up 100-plus yard reception games. I mean, uh, reception yard games. Like, he's been the most dominant player, the best player in in, in any contributors to special teams as well. So that's your best player in the nation, and he's been very, very good. Trevor had set out a game. I know it's COVID, but Trevor didn't play, you know, games, and he didn't play well or dominant in other games. Um Matt Jones has Devontae Smith. <laughs> and, and, the other, and another uh, one of the guys we just listened to. Yeah, like I mean, Jesus. <laughs> so, I, I mean, but if you look at the best player, I think it's Devontae Smith. It, it's, it'll, be a tr- it'll be a criminal offense if they do not give this award to Devontae Smith. A lot of people are thinking that they're it's going to split the vote. And so, therefore, you might not get it because a lot of people might be choosing either one of those three guys. But so we'll see what happens with that Heisman Trophy ceremony. Just want to talk here real briefly. The college football playoff will be expanded. Joel Clapp brought to my attention that a lot of universities don't need to recoup this revenue. They've lost this year as well. More playoff games, more TV money. And so they think that that will be happening here rather quickly. I don't know about next year. And I don't know how long of a contract they have with this, the four type yeah. of situation, but it definitely will be because otherwise it's just really between Clemson, Ohio State, Georgia, Alabama, and LSU for one year. And I feel like there's is there another team I'm missing right there that usually consistently competes. Uh, I said Oregon. I would say Oregon is usually um, 
in that in the mix at, yeah. at, at minimum. But I, I say it's usually Oklahoma is usually Oklahoma. Um, Alabama, Clemson, and and I think even maybe Georgia a little more than um, Ohio State. Okay. Georgia had to run when they lost um, to uh, – who they lose to? They lost, They beat Oklahoma and lost to Bama in the title game. Yes. Yeah, so. Georgia's had a couple of times. They've been like a one-loss SEC East team. They've been running like fifth, you know. So, so then they're just, the discussion has be, become at this point – because the first people were completely against that expanding. But now, especially like with you have the Cincinnati's and those guys who they would like to at least see give a chance because the whole thing was supposed yeah. to be to include everybody, kind of like March Madness. Are you thinking 18 or are you thinking 16 team? I say 16. And the formula for the 16 team, 16 team playoff would, I think, generate money for a lot of universities um, and provide great matchups. Like, let's, let's just for sake of argument, right? Let's say the criteria for a group of five team to get in is they must win their conference, just flat, just win your conference championship, you're in at least somewhere. Now, the subjectivity comes in where the committee ranks which group of five team is the best. I think the two group of five teams that were the best that they believe host playoff games against the other at-large bids, which are usually power fives. So now those group of five teams that are going to be hosting playoff games will get so much money in terms of people showing up that night to watch them play in a playoff game because it's a team they've never seen before. Ooh. A team, yeah, a team they've never seen before. And then, and then you know, even when the other three or whatever group of five teams travel um, to the power fives, those teams are going to bring everybody they can because they've never gone to a place. Like imagine, let's, let's say, for instance, Coastal this year, 11-0, Cincinnati 9-0. They're the two best group of five teams in the nation. And we're in a 16-team playoff and they're hosting. So there will be – I'd put them at, let's say, they're eight, they're seven and eight. So that way, you know, the, since the 16, the other eight teams are the away teams, right? They're seven and eight. And Cincinnati gets to host who, – who, who's around there? North Carolina. And Coastal gets to host Georgia. Boy, they, they have to send a National Guard to Conway, South Carolina, if Coastal got to host Georgia in a playoff game. Like, could you imagine the amount of money that would that that would go flood into Conway, South Carolina, from that one time, but in hotels and everything, and then and then the reverse effect where teams go to a Power Five's, uh, you know, place that they've never been there before, and then after that, you get to the neutral site games, which um, would bring in more money just just as always because it's a playoff game. And now you give those teams the opportunity to have exposure, helps recruiting for those guys, because now students can come to Group of Five saying, you know. If we if we load up here and we get into the playoff, we have a shot. We at least will have a shot. You know, it doesn't feel like I have to go to Bama or wherever to get a high profile game. And since you you turn those games into um, like just regular playoff games with no bowl implications, now you move in teams that would normally not be in a Cotton Bowl or or normally not be in a in a Sugar Bowl, whatever. Now those players won't have the, you know, won't feel the need to or the want to opt out because now they're not usually going to be on that platform. Now you put them on that platform. Now they're going to want to play in that, in that you know, high-profile bowl game because they wouldn't normally be there. And now you can kind of fix the whole opting out for the bowl game issue. Not really issue, but, you know, you can try to, you know, accommodate for that. And then teams like Georgia, whoever else, their players won't be opting out because they have a chance to compete for a championship. Like if Cal Pitts, if Cal Pitts right now, if they said, well, Florida, you're going to be eighth, but you're going to host a playoff game, and you can still work your way to, to play in a national title game. Kyle Pitts is not opting out. It's just not happening. <laughs> like, you, if you got a chance to play for a national championship, you're not going to opt out of that. Dude. When is, what, what basketball player ever opted out of March Madness? This you really think Zion, Zion, Zion could have opted out of March Madness for Duke if he wanted to, and he still have been number one pick. So, that if you have the opportunity to complete for a championship, you're not going to opt out. And then you can you can – encourage these like very enticing matchups that you won't normally see right like let's and i'm gonna just throw this example out there because it's probably the craziest one but it's, it'll be really cool let's say south carolina in two or three years is an a seed you know they had a loss to georgia um but you know they finished second in the east won the rest of their game so you know georgia would be like a fifth or whatever and let's say southern california is ninth who 
Southern California, you don't ever see this team in the same breadth of South Carolina in terms of playing each other. Southern California has to travel to Columbia, South Carolina for a night playoff game. How crazy would that be? The USC is playing each other on national television in a playoff game to see who advances to go to the title game. Yeah, I would say, and it gives you more of these big matchups. Like, yeah. if college football fans want more and more big matchups, I would ask you, and I'm just kind of inquiring here, I wonder, would that would they shorten the season? I or? say turn it into a 10-game conference schedule, and then you just have two out-of-conference games. Okay, 10-game conference. So 12 games a year is what you're saying? 12 games, and then make those, or actually, no, 10-game season. Eight conference games, two um, yeah, two out of conference games, and make sure that those games are like competitive. So no more of this like just. I mean, I don't want to say no more of a scheduled FCS team, but like if you want to, you can do that. But just like so, like a team like um, like a team like let's say like a BYU, they they now will put a Power Five, two Power Five teams on their schedule because they know they need that for the resume for if they was to win their conference championship, and if they lose one of those games, it wouldn't hurt them. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like a big power five team. You like, do you like the two by thing or one? I just say the first, the first four get a buy. The top four teams, this makes the top four, being the top four team in the nation important. You get a buy for your top four team in the nation. Okay. Five through 16 or whatever that would be, you know, however you could do that. So I guess it would have to be, what would that have to be like? The first six teams get a buy, whatever. It turns those games, it turns being ranked there important because really being number one through four, it really doesn't matter if you're one or four. It's just you're in the playoff. Yeah. Now it's like, guys, we need a win so we can be top four so we can get a buy while these other teams are playing each other leading up to playing us. Hey, you you had me on this. I, I'm glad. Oh, I'm glad I brought you on this episode. With that fan experience thing, mm-hmm. I could only – it's literally like you get to follow your team. Hey, we're going to Ohio State this week. Hey, get on the plane. We're going to Florida next week. And the alumni, alumni fans, whoever would love to travel to these places, then you're getting oh to go see God. all the different they would, venues. They will be going crazy. Like, imagine – so this year, let's say let's say we have a, we had a 12-team playoff this year, 12-team playoff this year. So we got Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Notre Dame. So the 5-12 matchup, just based off, the, based off the rankings, Texas A&M versus Coastal Carolina. The 6-11 matchup, Oklahoma versus Indiana. The, the, the uh, 7-10 matchup will be Florida versus uh, Iowa State. And then 8-9, Cincinnati versus Georgia. You're telling me people are not going to watch those games, travel to those games, whatever, if we just took it from just this year? Like Coastal going to College Station – they're going to – they will get a plane ticket and go to – We they're, they're going to be sitting there like, oh, my God, I've never been to College Station, Texas. We're going yeah. to that game. It's a playoff game for Cincinnati. Oh, my God. We got, we're about to host Georgia in a blackout night game for a play – in the playoffs. <laughs> like on national television. Iowa State ne- probably never been to Florida. Indiana probably never been to Oklahoma. Those will be crazy games. And then you're going to watch the games, even if your team is not playing, because if it's a playoff format, it's not like it's a maybe a Rose Bowl, but you're never going to see them. Like they might be in your bracket, and if not, it's great college football ratings would go through the roof. Yeah. I know the NBA is sitting there like, "Whoa, hey, look, y'all, <laughs> hey, wait a minute, <laughs> we don't have no problems with y'all because this will take ratings through the lore and the galore." And like I said before, and I just want to reemphasize this. A lot of money has been lost in these programs this year specifically. So they're going to be looking for ways to recruit that. How long do you think they till they get this uh this format gonna get going? Uh with this committee, probably never. <laughs> Unfortunately. Nothing but dreams, I, right? These guys are so incompetent. Like, I don't like like we'll get into the other bowl games, but that's just how I feel like, you know, I, I hope they somebody comes to their senses and tells them, you know. Guys, this is the way to go. This is it helps everybody. Nobody really loses. Group of fives can can recruit hard again because now players can say, "Man, we could just load up at let's just go load up at Cincinnati and get a playoff spot every year. We can host we could host a playoff game every year." And then that and then when those guys are junior seniors, now that's the junior senior class you don't want to see because now those guys are experienced. They've been through it with their coach. They've developed the culture for the team. And they can knock off that freshman talented loaded Georgia team, or knock off that that freshman talented LSU team that comes into their doorstep because they're the experienced team. 
and they'll be the better football team, and they can make a run and actually win the actually win the championship. So, and so, I remember yeah. I think Utah had a team last year where they had like a receiver, a running back, and a quarterback that went to like the similar high school, same high school, and it's like that team goes to the playoff, and like you said, and it eliminates the problem of the not like you said not the problem, but the opting out too because you're like, hey, we're gonna opt in because look, we need to go get this championship for this university. Yeah. Solves everybody's problems. All right, so let's keep this thing moving, though. We got, and I'm just going to mention these real quick. Oklahoma did, in fact, beat Iowa State 27-21. Oklahoma's got, like, the set past six Big 12 championships. They're just <laughs> running away from this thing. Like, Texas, who are you? Pac-12 championship. Oregon took on uh, the University of Southern Cal, winning 31-24. Most people didn't even realize that the University of Southern Cal was undefeated. Like, that just goes before this game. That just goes to show you how, like, irrelevant the Pac-12 become. But I, w- I will give to Clay Helton, good year, getting those guys back to – no, I'm not going to say back to prominence because they were kind of irrelevant on the East Coast. But, the, the, hey, the Pac-12 has got a long, has, has a ways to go. And it does not help that they lost – that the Southern Cal lost this game – do want everybody to remember Brian McClendon. Is he the receivers coach or the offensive coordinator at Oregon? So he's like the, the passing game coordinator at Oregon now. Okay. Yeah, so he's one of the – it's been really interesting to watch that transition. Now you have a lot of teams with the pass game coordinator, run game coordinator, and all those things. But he is out there on Southern Cal. But, all right, let's get into these bowl games really quickly here, Sterling. He's, a, he's, a he's an Oregon. He's an Oregon. He's an Oregon. What would you say? He's an Oregon. Yeah, 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 he's with Oregon. Yeah, this is worse because Oregon didn't even – wasn't supposed to be in the dang in the championship game. Exactly. And it just, it, it just worked out like that. But, okay, for the rest of the bowl games, which are not the playoff games, obviously, and then hear your picks and just give me like a couple seconds of a take on what you think is going on. Texas A&M, Notre Dame, and Orange Bowl, who you got? Notre Dame? Oh, no, 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 Texas A&M, North Carolina. Okay. Ooh, I'm glad you caught that one. Texas uh, A&M, North Carolina. It's gonna be a great game, I think. But I'm gonna I'm pick A and L. Okay, I'm Sam Howell. Sam Howell, quarterback, North Carolina. I'm feeling like Texas A and M might be a little upset that they're not in the playoff. I'm going with North Carolina. We got Oregon, Iowa State in the Fiesta Bowl. I got Iowa State. I'm gonna take Iowa State too. Take Iowa State. Yeah, I just don't think Oregon. I don't think they belong. I, I really don't even think. I think that Fiesta Bowl spot should have belonged to Coastal though. The Chanteliers are very upset about that one. Iowa State's been having a great year this year, too. So uh, I think they'll be inspired for that one. They're not used to playing these kind of games. Exactly. Uh, Cincinnati, Georgia in the Peach Bowl. You remember a couple years back? Oh, that's actually a long time back. Remember when Georgia played West Virginia? Uh, and Georgia just wasn't really awake for that game in West Virginia. Yeah. Messed around and beat them. Who was the quarterback for West Virginia during that time? Was it a while ago? Was it Geno? No, no, no. Oh, Gino? He was a cheat code of NCAA. I was before Gino, huh? Ah, I don't know. I'll look it up. Who's your pick? Cincinnati, Georgia. Georgia gonna kill them. <laughs> <laughs> Georgia gonna run that football, and JT Downs has been playing really well um, since becoming their their starting quarterback. I think Georgia will. I, I ain't gonna say they're gonna kill them, but they're gonna beat them by two scores. By two scores. Is JT Daniels eligible for the draft this year? Or does he have to come back another year? I think he's eligible. I think he'll come back. Okay. You could come back and probably be like the the first quarterback off the board next year. Good point. Oh, yeah, yeah, because this year's class is loaded. Hey, Pat White was the name. Pat White was the quarterback at uh, – do you remember Pat White at West Virginia? That dude could throw the ball like 20 yards past where you thought he was going to throw the ball. Dude was a straight – they had great receivers. I don't know if you watched Pat McAfee's show – he 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 played on that team. He tells the stories all the time about how great that West Virginia team was. He said some of the stories. Y'all have to go check out his YouTube page. Uh, he has a show. It's a great show. He talks about how elite of a time that was at West Virginia, but how none of that stuff would be allowed anymore. They had to change some of the <laughs> academic and like party thing. They used to have like penny beer nights and stuff. Great times to be at, and that would be like seeing those kind of games again. Really matter. It'd be great to see if they end up expanding that playoff now. Oklahoma, Florida in the Cotton Bowl, which will be the second game in Dallas. Uh, who you got? I'm gonna take Oklahoma. I think we've seen with Florida's offense, it's not a big difference, but it's it's a difference when Kyle Pitts isn't on that field. And Oklahoma's been playing very, very well over the last month or two. Um, this, they're probably playing the best football. Um, you know, probably you could say in the nation, maybe. Um, Florida's been they've been playing well, but they've 
lost a couple times, I think a little too many. And just it's kind of that's two stinging losses back to back. Um, it'll be hard, I think, for those guys to get up for this game as opposed to Oklahoma, who kind of worked for that Big 12 championship and, and is excited. So I'm going to pick them. Yeah, I definitely have. I'm going with uh, Oklahoma. Kyle Pitts not playing, like you said. And uh, I, I don't know. That would be crazy. I don't think he'll do it. But wouldn't it be crazy if Kyle Trash decided to opt out? So I'm going to go ahead and prepare for the thing. I don't, I don't think he'll do it. I think he's got too much love for Florida. Don't know if the fans would forgive him. Hey, nah. but last but not least, we have got to talk about the South Carolina Gamecock. Let me give you a little history story. So I played for Rich Northeast High School 2000 and I want to say it's 15 was a scene, 2014. We had two wins in the year. Drew High School got in a fight against the Camden Bulldogs. And they almost, and I think what was that? Dreer almost was not, they both teams were almost suspended from the playoffs, right? Disqualified for the playoffs. Both teams were almost disqualified. So with Brits and Northeast with two wins that we were going to get into the playoffs. And whenever it was confirmed, they were not that Camden and Drew were not going to be suspended or disqualified. Most of our Brits and Northeast players were crying. Because we only won two games and did not make the playoffs. <laughs> this is how I feel with the University of South Carolina <laughs> making it to a bowl game to play UAB on the day after Christmas. UAB will come into this game with six and three, uh, six and three as their record. The Carolina players that will be missing. Say, name any if I get any that I'm not thinking of right now. Shai Smith will not be there. Shiloh Sands will not be there. RJ Roderick will not be there. JC Horn will not be there. Israel McCormick, however you say his name, will not be there. Aaronis Jones will not be there. <laughs> Obviously, Will Muschamp will not be there. Shane Bieber will be on the sideline observing, not coaching. <laughs> what do you think about the game that the University of South Carolina deciding to participate in the bowl game? And who do you see winning the ball game? Oh, my gosh. I mean, I think, you know, it, in a time where exposure could be the best thing for university, especially university that only signed eight people to, uh, to this current recruiting class, um, I think it's good for them to play in the bowl game. Um, I personally do not know anything about UAB. <laughs> to really say, like, if, if we're supposed to win or lose, I mean, if you want to just base off a conference and, and, you know, all that stuff, then, yes, I guess Carolina should win this game. Um, but at the same time, a six, you know, a team that's, to be objective, I mean, UAB, they've won six games, right? Yep, six and three. This team knows how to win football games, um, and they they probably have an identity. Um, I know they, they didn't have a program like four years ago, um, so they're back up and running, and I think they might see this as an opportunity to beat a big-name school, and, and, and hopefully uh, Carolina players um, see this as an opportunity to kind of right the ship going into next year. Um, so I'm going to pick Carolina. But I wouldn't be surprised if a UAB team that just kind of knows their identity as a football team and, and what they're coming to do um, wins the game. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if it happened. So, yeah. Okay, I'm going to say two things. One, Kevin Harris did end up being the SEC rushing leader this year. Is that correct? Yeah, he, won, he, won, he, yeah, he led the league in rushing and somehow didn't get – didn't become a semifinalist for the, you know, the national rushing award. Um, Which is that's crazy. Not even become a semi like oh, one thing not to win it, but not even become a semifinalist. That's one thing. <laughs> Two, Shane Beamer. This this will let everybody know, like, depending on how his career goes, wherever the trajectory, where he started at. South Carolina is playing UAB, and there's like serious consideration, like UAB might hey, UAB might do numbers. <laughs> this, this, this is where this he, is round zero. <laughs> <laughs> you got yeah. floor. You cannot possibly start off worse than this. It is like I was sitting around. And God, I wish it wasn't COVID. Hopefully this episode times well. I wish it wasn't COVID. But it's like you go to the barbershop with the guys and y'all just sitting there, probably got a haircut, just sitting there talking about bowl games. And it's like, y'all, we might lose UAV. Like, <laughs> it's for real. So this is going to be great for just for him to understand and with him being able to observe practice just to see who, who are the guys he might look towards. Yeah. I hear that South Carolina has the worst recruiting, like the worst recruiting ranking in the SEC. That's what I've heard. And if South Carolina is under Vanderbilt, oh my God. I don't know. You talking about just coming into this year? Yeah, this year. This year. I'm hearing that it's the worst recruit so far. Now there is another signing day coming up in February. But right now, I know they're like ranked number 86, I want to say, in the country. Look, you can't ground zero, man. Look, whenever Shane Beaver gets on this road to go recruit, Look here, 
spring ball, you're the guy. <laughs> I need you to sign guys that are will be coming in, signing with that February date. Y'all probably be coming in this summer. It's like, look, if you want to compete, you can come play in the SEC right now. I'm sure he'll be using that tool. And uh, I'm sure he'll probably be on the road selling the glory days too. Like, look, when I was there last, we're going to re- try to rebuild this place up. There's a lot of culture at this program. What do you think his message is on the road to recruits? I think his main message is if you're going to come here, I need you to understand that, like, you love being here. Like, I think Beamer, the way he recruits, you can look back even in 2009, 10, 8, the guys he recruited weren't always all five-star guys. They were guys that he felt that when they stepped their foot in that facility, they they was there because they loved being there, not because they were the greatest players in the world, not because they were, you know, the most God-gifted, talented players. He He got guys that really loved playing in that state for that university and really and really had a big work ethic and he built that type of culture in terms of recruiting um you know you can get a lot of five-star guys it's kind of what Iowa State said he said uh the player after they beat I think um they beat the team on the road I think it was Texas Texas yeah and the and the player and the coach you know they they simple the same thing they said you know we have they have five-star players but we have five-star culture and I think that's really something that Beamer wants to expand on in terms of like the type of people he puts in the in the facility and and um, how he runs the program. So and what I think I, that's the biggest message. And what I keep saying is, man, the University of South Carolina, they have the fan base, they have the stadium, they have the facilities, they have everything you need. They have I'm, that kind of the money. That kind of the money. I ain't saying we got Texas money. <laughs> but the money, the money's on the money's on the way. Dollar yeah. Morgan saying nothing for her to just send a check. But <laughs> the, the money is there. The fan base is there, especially coming out of COVID. And we have full capacity. People will be so excited for these sporting events. All you need are players that want to be there. And really, the University of South Carolina is not like Alabama. They do not demand wins at the game. They do not demand 11, 11 win years. They want those. But if you give me a product of players that really want to play, coaches that are enthusiastic, and just give the fans something to cheer, you can't even cheer for two and eight. You just can't do it. But if you give them that kind of situation, I think the university will be happy as long as they see the university spiraling upwards as, mm-hmm. as opposed to what's happening right now. Yeah. Yeah, so y'all, that I know that was a long episode. <laughs> I really appreciate you having you on. This is a good one. I'm a, I already called another episode award-winning episode, so we can't do that again. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> this is a, a self-proclaimed award-winning episode. But this was another episode uh, and make sure you guys follow the page on Instagram, Matt Sports House on Instagram. That's Matt's Sports House. So that's two S's right there. Uh, follow the page on Instagram. Twitter's good too, but Instagram's where we get popping at. Uh, like I said, Sterling, thanks for coming on. That's what all we have for you all today. Don't know when the next one will be dropping. I might wait till after. No, nah, we're going to stay consistent. We'll be back next Sunday. All right, <laughs> <laughs> Peace. Slimmer and slimmer, pray to God that I forget, try my best not remember, it's a cold, cold world and I was born in December.